Good morning. Uh, great to see everyone better here. So today's reading comes from Acts 2, 1 to 13. The Holy Spirit comes. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house they were sitting in. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in their own native languages. Now you have to bear with me on this one. Here we are, here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Cretans, and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Thanks, Josh. All right, let's uh, spend a moment to pray and uh, we will jump into God's word for today and think about what this might mean for us. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to meet online and in person and for the coming season where we're going to be able to be face-to-face with each other once more. But in the meantime, Lord, we want to take this opportunity not to just um, treat this as a second-class opportunity to do and be church, but as a real opportunity, Lord, to open your word together and to ask what you would have to say to us this Sunday morning. And Father, on this Pentecost Sunday, we're excited and thrilled and and just overwhelmed by the fact that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us, that you would give us what those in the Hebrew Scriptures could only have dreamed about, the opportunity to be so close to you that you, in fact, dwell within us as people of God. And so we're grateful for that and ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, if you all just give me one second, I will try not to delete the sermon off of my iPad like I did one week um, while I increase the font size so that I can see it. Um, how are you all doing? Those in the room here? Just give us a yay. yay. <laughs> There's just a few of us here, here in the room this morning. And uh, there we go. Uh, a few of us here, here in the room this morning, uh, some of our young adults um, and a few others as well. And it's good to see you guys. Remember to keep your 1.5 metres. Um, on uh, on um, earlier this week, uh, I was reflecting on what this uh, day is all about and um, I, I was kind of reflecting on you know, Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, what Josh has just read um, but something really really jumped out which um, I want to share with you about this morning. Um, 
and it's about losing control. I'll come to that in a second. Um, Earlier this year, we were planning to have a great celebration uh, uh, on this particular day, the 31st of May, Um, because traditionally, if you didn't know, the Billabong celebrates its birthday on Pentecost, because Pentecost is the birthday of the church. Now, we're, of course, postponing that 20th celebration because um, we want it to happen at a time that we can all get together and... Who knows, maybe it will end up being a 21st birthday celebration because we're getting close to 21 years old now as a church. But today, um, it's still another really important celebration. In fact, a far more significant one. It's somewhere around 1990 years ago that Jesus' church was born in an upstairs room uh, in Jerusalem as the Holy Spirit was poured out upon ordinary human beings. And Jesus, about 10 days before that, maybe a little more, has just said to them, just wait here in Jerusalem. Wait here until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Wait here until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And so they're just praying, they're waiting. There's no time frame. There's no indication of of when this is going to happen, how this is going to happen, what to look out for. And you can actually hear in the disciples' words that they're not particularly comfortable with this just waiting without knowing any details. Uh, After Jesus says, just wait for the gift my father promised, uh, in Acts chapter 1, we read this. We read that they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, through Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And saying this, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. That's it. There's no kind of, the Holy Spirit's coming tomorrow or the next day, or June 2nd, or July 20th, so just wait until then. It's just this ask to wait, and then he leaves. And they're they're just sitting there going, okay, wait for how long? Ten days? What year? What's it going to be? I guess this is a little bit like uh, this waiting game that we're in at the moment with COVID-19. At some point, all the restrictions are going to be lifted. At some point, activities and workplaces will operate as normal again. Uh, at some point, a vaccine is going to be created. And in the meantime, all we can do is wait, right? We, we can't do anything more about this situation. I don't know about you, but I've discovered that this kind of makes me uncomfortable, this kind of waiting and not knowing, not being able to make plans for the next month in some areas or um, even maybe where my attention should be next week because things could change. And I I think lots of people are in the same kind of boat in some way or another, um, that this pandemic, it's made life a little bit unpredictable. Uh, Systems and, and, and patterns that normally just work uh, and, and don't get interrupted, those have been shaken and, and it leaves uh, a lot of things in limbo in our lives. Now, some of you, um, maybe especially if you're younger, may thrive when life is unpredictable. You can just go with the flow, you can live in the moment, like carpe diem, right? Seize the day. But I suspect that under the surface, most of us, if not all of us, have actually been unsettled a bit by what has happened in the last couple of months. And, and maybe 
it's because in some area of our life, we have lost control. And as I said, that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today, losing control. Um, this is not a sermon that I particularly want to preach, uh, not something I particularly want to deliver this morning because I know that I'm a control freak. I'm a self-confessed control freak. Uh, if there was such thing as Control Freaks Anonymous, I'd probably be in it. Uh, and what I've noticed about myself over the last couple of months is that as COVID-19 took certain things out of my control, simple things sometimes, like the ability to eat out or to, to, to visit friends or to have church services like we normally have them, the way I kind of coped with that in some, on some days, um, well, maybe most days, is to focus too much on the things which I could control to kind of compensate for that which I couldn't control. Um, and I have a hunch that many of us are a little bit the same. We find comfort and security, even maybe find our identity in the ability that we have to control something. If, in other words, if we're holding together, like with our own two hands, something, a business, a project, a, a hobby even, a relationship, a family that we're responsible for, if we're holding that thing together, whatever it is, we can live with the fact that lots of other things are out of our control, out of our hands, as long as we can hold that thing together, those people or those resources or that project. But if, and, if, and if that's taken out of our hands, well, then we will seek something else to take its place. So that at least there's something that, 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 we can, that we can hold, that we can control. What I want to ask this morning and what I've been asking myself is this. What if God is trying to teach his church right now to be content with losing control to be even to be willing to surrender control of anything and everything to him as i was reflecting on pentecost this week and the, the, those disciples in the upper room i realized this is what was happening for them in that season jesus asked them simply to wait for the holy spirit um, it was an invitation to give God complete control of the next phase of their, of their lives. They had no idea what was to come. They, they couldn't predict it and go, okay, well, the next 10 days is going to be like this and the next month is going to be like they, they couldn't see what was going to happen. They couldn't speed up the process. They couldn't prepare for it in any other way than to prepare their hearts by surrendering control to God. I think that God is using... COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic, to do a similar thing in us. To present us with an opportunity to lose control, to surrender or give up control and allow him to be the one who holds everything together. I wonder what aspect of your life, what thing, what project, what person, what relationship is not yet surrendered to God. What is he asking you to give over to him this morning to say, God, you, I give this completely to you. I had a day earlier this week where I just I, I felt like something in my life um, was just kind of spiraling out of control. I, and I didn't know what to do. I kind of felt like I'd, I'd failed in this particular, this particular area, this thing. And, and I was kind of saying to, to God as I was, I was praying, I was going, God, I really, I can't do this. I, I I don't think I have what it takes to achieve this, this thing. 
Um, and as I'm saying this to God, kind of in a complaining way, really, I then I almost sense God saying, finally, now you're starting to hand it over to me rather than trying to do it in your own strength. And you probably know this feeling where you just kind of get to the end of yourself in relation to something. It's uncomfortable, right? You know, coming to the end of yourself, feeling weak, feeling vulnerable, feeling like a failure. It's not a way you want to feel. It's uncomfortable until you remember that God doesn't need our strength. That's not what he's looking for. He's not looking for our strength. He needs our weakness. When, you, when we are weak, then he is strong through us. Um, until you remember that, we kind of go on in our own strength and, and, and God can, struggles to use us until we go, God, I've got nothing. And then he goes, finally, now I can do something through you and in you. He needs us to realize, we need to realize, come to that realization that on our own we can do nothing. We're weak, so then his strength can be revealed. What I find really amazing about the metaphor of the vine and the branches that we've been in for uh, the last month and a bit from John 15 uh, is that Jesus is the vine, which means without him, we as the branches in the metaphor can do nothing, right? We have no control other than what happens through us because we're connected to the vine. So we are completely dependent on the vine, on Jesus, for everything. If we remove ourselves somehow, we're, we've got no life, we've got nothing. So we're dependent completely on the vine. But here's the other thing about this metaphor. Jesus, I don't know if you've thought about this, Jesus, the vine, is completely dependent as well. So his life as the vine is completely in the hands of who? The gardener. In the hands of God. Gardner, in the metaphor, is his heavenly father. Because a vine can't pick itself up from soil and then plant itself somewhere else. The vine can't kind of put up a defense mechanism of some kind when a storm comes immediately. The vine, as well, relies completely on the gardener. The gardener is the one who has control over the whole plant. And that gardener is the Father, Father God. And this was how Jesus lived his life on earth. He gave up all control of his life, uh, placing it completely in the Father's hands. His life was completely surrendered to the Master Gardener, God his Father. And so it begs the question, what is it in your life? What is it in my life? What is it in our life that needs to be surrendered to God? Where do you need to lose control? Where do you need to surrender control, to give up control, to surrender everything over to him? As we think about Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, God pours out his Spirit upon those whose hearts are fully surrendered to him, those who have been willing to release all control. In other words, someone who is full of the Spirit or who is led by the Spirit or lives by the Spirit or moves in the Spirit, a Spirit-filled Christian is someone at the core who has given control to God in their life, who has surrendered all to God. I was, I was really struck this week by what happened in that upper room at Pentecost. I'd never thought of it this way before. Um, the, the believers, they're praying, they're waiting. Um, when the Holy Spirit comes, they, they begin to speak in other languages, real, known languages, but not languages they cognitively understand, right? So this is what happens. Now, speaking in tongues, as it's 
coined sometimes, of which this, what happens here is one kind of that, uh, that speaking in tongues is one, this is one kind, is something that many Christians either um, ignore or maybe make fun of because it's strange or it's misunderstood. But here's why I think that this is such an amazing and beautiful thing. That, that's what, what is happening when these, these, these followers of Jesus speak in these other languages. It's a tangible expression of the Holy Spirit being in control. That the Spirit has taken over their lives as they have allowed Him. What happened in that up, upper room? It's quite simple. The believers let God take over their lives. So much so that the Spirit took over their mouths as well and used their mouths to speak of God's goodness to people from other nations who only understood other languages. But because the Spirit had been given, they'd surrendered their life to God. The Spirit was able to use them to speak the goodness of God to people from all over the world. And this, I think this just shows how wonderfully the Holy Spirit can use a believer who makes themselves completely available to God where just everything is surrendered, nothing held back. On the other hand, this reminds me that when it comes to giving everything to God, surrendering, losing control, surrendering to God, we can fear what we don't understand, right? If we don't understand something, we don't know what's going to happen, it's, we can be hesitant. It's actually... I think, easier to hand over control to God if God tells us ahead of time what he's going to do uh, with that situation or that relationship or whatever it might be, and we agree with that. Okay, good, that sounds great, God. Now you can have control, but that's not how it works. That's never how it works. Maybe you've, you've prayed in tongues before or a gift of the Spirit of some kind has been, um, you, you've experienced that, the Spirit has given that to you, and you've, you've felt the Spirit alive in you in some way. But someone told you, that's not God. Or maybe they even belittled you. Uh, and so now you're hesitant to let the Spirit of God take over your life again because you don't know what might happen. You, you don't know what backlash there might be or what somebody may think. Uh, maybe you want to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. You want to surrender your life to God. God, use me however you want. But you're not sure what might happen because it's unfamiliar territory. And so you would rather play it safe. You'd rather just go, I, I don't know, maybe I'll, just, maybe I'll just play it safe. Maybe you've seen some people who claim to be led by the Spirit, but they don't actually seem to exhibit the, the fruit of the Spirit. And so what you've decided in your heart, even subconsciously, is, you know, it's best to keep living how I live. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm, I'm a good Christian. There's, not, there's no reason to change anything. And so you hesitate. But brothers and sisters, when we give, all, when we give God all control of our lives... There is not the slightest chance in the universe that it will be comfortable. Maybe, the, maybe there's a chance. Maybe sometimes it's comfortable. But more often than not, it's not comfortable. It's highly unlikely that everyone will just pat you on the back and go, that's awesome. Some people, they thought that the disciples were drunk. They thought they were just, had just lost the plot, lost control in another way and not a good way. If you surrender control to God, you may not be popular 
among your existing friends. You may, uh, your own family may even think that you need psychiatric help. Uh, you may, you'll probably make enemies. Your own friends might desert you and you could end up on your knees crying out to God saying, please, is there any other way to live than this? And before you say, well, how can that be? That seems a bit extreme. All I just did was describe Jesus and what Jesus experienced. His friends deserted him. His family thought he was nuts. He, he did not want to go forward in this way. He said, God, is there any other way? And yet, this was his life surrendered to the Father completely. If our lives are given over to God like Jesus was, then we can probably expect the same. Maybe not every day, maybe not all the time, but certainly some of the time. It will be misunderstood at very least and won't be comfortable. Immediately following the part about the vine and the branches in John 15. This isn't the very end of the verse. We'll come to uh, the chapter, sorry, we'll come to that. But Jesus goes on to say this, verse 18. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. And this is the result of living under the rule of the kingdom of God led by the Spirit. The thing, though, is this, that the alternative is, uh, in other words, to take control of your own life. You know, I'm not surrendering everything to God. That's going to end up bad for me. I'll take control of my own life. This is actually just an illusion. See, the psychologists coined this phrase, the illusion of control. Uh, I heard about this recently, and this is the description I found online. The illusion of control is the tendency for people to overestimate their ability to control events. Uh, for example, it occurs when someone feels a sense of control over outcomes they demonstrably do not influence. And the reality is that in this world that belongs completely to God, this things that are out of our control accounts for almost everything, if not everything. Our very lives themselves are not ultimately in our control. We do not have the power to control anything really other than what God temporarily gives to us. This is an illusion, but we do have the power to surrender. We don't have the power to control, but we do have the power to surrender the power to give our lives over to the Spirit. A living sacrifice, Paul calls it. And what does that mean? To, to be a living sacrifice as opposed to a sacrifice you know, burnt on the altar or something. Well, we sacrifice our lives to God, but we're still alive. We now become a vessel for the Spirit to live through us. For Jesus to live through us. And as we close out our series on John chapter 15 today, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit at the end of this chapter. I will send you the paracletos, the advocate, the helper, the one who comes alongside, who is the spirit of truth. Here's what that tells me and gets me to, to ask us this morning. Do we want to live under the illusion of control? The illusion that we have control over our lives, a lie that we are in control, or do we want the spirit of truth to be in control? This is the only way for us to live, not an illusion, not something that we think is reality, but reality as it's meant to be, living under the influence of the spirit of God, the spirit of truth.
It might be scary to lose control. It might not be comfortable to surrender everything to God's will. But it's the only way to truly live. And so as we close this morning, I want to lead us in prayer just to say to God, God, we just surrender everything to you. Maybe for you, you um, are at home and to, as a symbolic way of saying, God, I surrender everything to you, you just put your hands out like this or raise them up in the air. Uh, maybe what you need to do this morning is kneel. Um, I have bad knees and so I don't tend to kneel very much. But sometimes there's just a need for us to, without our bodies, our bodies being like a physical prayer to say, God, I surrender everything to you. Whatever it is for you and whatever element of your life it is, whatever relationship or project or, or uh, family that you, you take care of, whatever, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your job right now, maybe uh, it's employment or, or it could be anything. What is it that God's saying You've held on to this for long enough. Maybe even honorably. Maybe you've tried to do it with the best of intentions, but now it's time just to surrender it to me. Let's let's take a moment for us to just pray on what that is, to allow the Holy Spirit to bring to mind what we need to surrender to Him and then to do that, to surrender it to Him. Father, I pray that as we spend this time now in silence, that you would reveal to us, you would show us if we haven't already recognized what it is that you're calling us to hand over.